Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode uh, is an absolute trailblazer in Aussie rules football, particularly uh, in the launch and the evolution of the AFLW competition. Uh, born in South Africa, uh, then moved to WA uh, as a youngster, uh, to reside in, of all places, Cambelda in the goldfields. Uh, but it was clear pretty early on that uh, her destiny uh, would take her into elite football coaching. Uh, and we'll get uh, into her very uh, incredible uh, catalogue of, uh, of of roles and achievements uh, throughout the course of the next hour or so. But let's say hello and welcome to Michelle Cowan. Hello, Michelle. Hey, How Tim. Are you? Very good. Thank you very much for having me. You've done so much. I didn't want to list them all uh, just at the get-go there, but uh, just cherry-picking a couple of them, uh, you were the first uh, woman to hold a senior coaching role uh, in elite-level football in Australia uh, at West Perth. You've coached at uh, the Melbourne Football Club. You were the inaugural Fremantle Dockers coach. Uh, The list goes on and on. So there's a lot to get through. Um, (laughs) So let's let's go back to the, the very beginning. Let's maybe take this in some sort of chronological order here. Born in Durban, South Africa, what what brought the family yeah, into I was, WA? I was born in Johannesburg, actually, but my brother right. and sister were Durban. Right. Um, and and yeah. you lived in Durban, right, for those first yeah. four or so years? Yeah, we did. And um, lucky enough, uh, I guess my, my parents decided to move to Australia and I reflect on that quite fondly all the time because I think this is an incredible country to grow up in and... And I guess still got family over in South Africa and you can see some of the challenges that they're going through as a country as well. So, um, yeah, very fortunate to be living in Australia and, and absolutely love it and loved Kimbelda as well. That was quite a, yeah. you know, I love growing up in the country and, and I think Perth gives me that country kind of feel, but with it within a city. So, Do you remember South Africa at all from your childhood? I mean, it, it's hard to remember much from the first four years of your life, isn't it? But do you, do you have any striking memories of yeah, I life do. there? I do. I, I remember, uh, I guess, growing up um, with the people that, um, you know, lived at our house with us as well, um, uh, helping us as a family. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, I guess small memories, but my sister, who's a bit older than me, continues to remind me of some incredible stories of our, our yeah. childhood and, and growing up. And, yeah, love hearing those. And she's certainly got a lot more memories than I do. I'm guessing uh, with the move to Cambelda of all places that uh, that either mum or dad were involved in the mining industry in some way. Yeah, dad's a sparky and um, got a job as an electrician at Western Mining Corporation. And so, yeah, lived in Cambelda West there on Gravelia Crescent and um, 
you know, went to Cambelda Primary School and just remember walking to school with, with my brother and sister all, all the time. And uh, I guess I was there till year seven and, and then lucky enough uh, I went to boarding school and got some incredible memories of being at boarding mm. school as well So um, and been in Perth ever since. Dad was a, a rugby fan uh, and a big Springboks fan and yet you somehow took a, an absolute shine to AFL. Yeah. How, how did that go with uh, with mum and dad? Was he trying to, was he, you know, especially trying to guide you down the the rugby path? Yeah, um, family love Springboks, still yeah. do. Um, go to any game that we can to yeah. watch um, the Wallabies or, or Springboks. But um, for whatever reason, I just knew as a fourteen year old girl, and and I remember this moment so clearly. Um, growing up as a young girl, when I got asked, "What do I want to be when I'm older?" and it was really straight away. I just said, I want to be an AFL coach as a 14-year-old. and Which is unusual, isn't it? Because if you're that into sport, um, you're probably more likely to say, I want to be on the field playing, right? But you were so drawn to coaching from such an early age. Yeah, I think that's because the rules restrict that I couldn't play yeah. back then. So, well, if I can't play, then what can I do in this incredible game? And I loved all sports, whether it be tennis, softball, basketball, triathlons, and every single sport I absolutely love playing and mm. played a number of um, at a state level. But if I had to choose one sport that I wanted to make a career out of and um, forge a, a long-term um, passionate about, it was really easy. It was always going to be AFL football and um, that's certainly my first love and probably followed closely second would be golf um, and cricket. Yeah, and we've got a uh, a little moment to share a bit later on of your golfing prowess. <laughs> Just to warn you, Michelle, it is coming. Um, falling in love with footy, though, I mean, was it frustrating as a kid that you couldn't play it? I'm guessing you could kick a ball around in the streets of Cambelda, uh, you know, with your siblings and your neighbours and schoolmates, but not being able to play competitively. Did that frustrate the hell out of you as a kid? Uh, not really, because I think I had the drive to want to coach by then, and yeah. I kind of um, came to the conclusion that I couldn't play. Um, actually, actively looked at the rule book to see whether I could nominate myself for the draft or anything like <laughs> that, and um, would give anything to have the AFLW happen twenty years ago, yeah. um, as it is now, and the way that it's growing, and I guess the path that it's going on as well is really exciting. But um, I, I, my first ever job was coaching. I volunteered to coach the Year Nines at Iona, and that was in hockey and and basketball as well. And it was probably going through that moment of coaching and teaching and seeing people develop and grow and be the best possible version of themselves in, in whatever sport it was, um, really ignited a love of coaching. Mm. Um, so I thought I w wanted to be a PE teacher because that was very similar. And, um, but that was when I knew I wanted to be an AFL coach. And if you ask my friends as a 14 year old girl as well, what would Michelle do in 10 years time? And they would all say that I'd be in the AFL and, and coaching within the AFL. So, yeah. um, yeah, really strong headed, I guess, about where, what I wanted to do um, and driven to achieve that. I don't know why, but I was. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to explore, Michelle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you haven't found an answer for that question yet. <laughs> uh, coming from Cambelda down to boarding school at Iona, what, I mean, what was that like? It's, it's a big shift for a young kid to face, isn't it? Yeah, I thought I absolutely loved boarding school until I found a whole host of letters I wrote to mum saying, why have you left me here? Why? I miss really? the dog. I miss you guys. I cannot believe you sent me away and all of this. But um, some of my best friends that I'm still very close with now um, were boarders at Iona and 
Um, I love the mantra of Iona, Iona girls make a difference is what they, you know, and I really felt really strongly about that and felt like I could make a difference. Um, but they certainly gave me some incredible tools to uh, do what I do and, and follow the career that I wanted to follow. But um, yeah, I, I thought I absolutely loved that. I was there just for one year and then parents moved to Perth, which was mm. great as well. Yeah. Uh, and weekends, as I understand, even through those schooling years, um, weekends for you were just an opportunity to go and watch as much footy as you possibly could. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. My <laughs> friends were going to the movies and the, yeah. the beach and hanging out with each other and uh, Bicton Baths in, um, in particular. They'll probably spend a lot of time down there. But any opportunity I could get to go to East Fremantle football Oval and, and watch the Colts and the reserves in the league and um, ride ride around on my bike and find any local community amateur football game and you just go and watch them yeah, yeah. Just, and was it what what drew you there was it the contest itself or were you there to sort of just see the tactics playing out see how other coaches coached what what were you there for what was the like the the really primal lure yeah it'd have to you? be just love of the game and, yeah. and the passion it wasn't you know it's an incredible game with such a large area and a 360 game with great athleticism strength and for all types of people all, all tall short um it's a game for everybody and i think i just loved watching the contest and and love of the game and and whether that is watching yeah like i said amateur football or waffle football or afl football so by the end of my weekend i'd probably watch eight games of live football um in some way what did you what did your friends think think of this it's like hey michelle we're going to a movie this weekend but i'm Guessing you don't yeah. want to come. I think it, that's just what Michelle does. Yeah. So Michelle, if you want to go see Michelle, you go go yeah. to the footy. You can yeah. catch up with Michelle there kind of thing. So, um, yeah, just absolutely loved it. Just loved it. Just wanted to watch as much as you possibly could. At the age of 17, so you finish school and then you sit down and write a whole lot of letters to all the AFL clubs at the time. Um, tell me about sitting down and writing those letters and what you were hoping for. And, yeah. what, and what did you put in those letters? Yeah, so I, I've still got the letters and my grandma wasn't the best back then when I reflect and read back on them. They, um, yeah, some spelling errors as well, which was disappointing. <laughs> look back as long as you didn't spell the club wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrote to all 16 AFL clubs at the time yeah. and the letter was um, just about my love of coaching, having coached the U9s and the U10s and the U11s and the fact that I felt like I had five years coaching experience under my belt. And I remember logging up, um, logging online and it took me 30 minutes to get my level one senior AFL coach accreditation. And I think it cost me $40 at the time and I printed it off and I felt really qualified and um, <laughs> as a level one senior AFL coach and included a copy of that in the letter and yeah, posted it out to every club and just said, all I want is five minutes of your time to prove to you I've got what it takes to, mm. to coach at this level and, and I've got something to contribute to your club to have a successful era and, and win a premiership and, and I'd love to have a chat. So. And uh, just as we go to the break, let's just uh, just give a, a little taste of what's to come. Two clubs got back to you, right, out of the, out yep. of the 16? Yes. And I'll get you to tell us uh, which two. Uh, got back to you and how those meetings played out uh, right after we take a break. Michelle Cowan is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more of her story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of Michelle Cowan, a trailblazer uh, in the sport of uh, AFL, particularly women's uh, AFL. Um, Michelle, just before the break, uh, we were up to the point, uh, you're 17 years old, desperate uh, to get your foot in the door uh, in a coaching role, and you've just gone straight to the top, (laughs) (laughs) written letters to all 16, as it was at the time, AFL clubs, hoping for an opportunity. You got two replies. Who were they from? Well, I actually got 14 replies, but 12 of them were... Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too willing to (laughs) have a conversation with you. Yeah, Yeah. so 12 I filed away saying that they'll contact me when they had a position available but they had no vacancies. So yep. I'm glad that they wrote back. So okay. that was, so was can you can you shame the two that didn't even bother to write back? Oh, well one of them. <laughs> I'm working at one of them. <laughs> right. they, they have been incredible. And oh, it must have got lost in the mail. I, yeah. I, I actually um I always wanted to work for West Coast my yeah. whole life growing up. They're the club that launched in 86 and I arrived in 86 when I reflect on it. I think it was always meant to be. Yeah. Um, wanted to work there and, and I, I remember a number of times knocking down the door and knocking on the door and emailing and emailing. But in hindsight, I wasn't ready to be part of West Coast Eagles when I was knocking on the door. And yep. and right now being at the footy club, I'm so glad that it happened that way and, and I've gone through and learnt so much about the game and I feel I'm probably at my prime and then I'm at the club that I really want to be at and, and a club that I absolutely love. So, yep. um, yeah, and, and Essendon never wrote back to me oh, either. Was, eh? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, the two that did get back to you, Geelong? Yes. That you ended up working uh, with for some time uh, and North Melbourne. Uh, tell me how those two catch-ups and conversations went with those clubs. Yeah, I met North Melbourne first at the Hyatt for a coffee. They yeah. flew over here and, and had a game and um, it was actually a change of who I was actually going to meet with for that coffee. So I think the the guy that actually met with me, uh, he literally gave me about three minutes. So it was kind of a conversation that started and, and ended just as quick, really. Yeah. Um, and basically said there was no opportunities, but also that, you know, if I want to work in AFL football, I'm, I'm probably better to work in human resources or administration. Um, and I wasn't there. I wanted to coach really. And so, yeah, that he wanted to take my resume and decided to pass it on to the admin and, and HR department to see right? if there were opportunities back then. And, um, you know, that was in the year 2000. So a how, lot has changed in the game. How deflating was that for you? Yeah, I reflect on that a lot. It was actually inspiring and and I think we hear that a fair bit for some people. It can be deflating and you can think, well, maybe this industry is not, not for me or you can actually use it as a driver. And I walked away from there thinking I'm going to be a coach in the AFL um, and it just inspired me even more. And I think um, I've, I've since had conversations with North Melbourne like a while ago um, around around those conversations, and and he no longer works in football. I was going to say, have yeah. you have you crossed paths at all no, with that person he, since? No, he doesn't work in football, and I think that's the industry. The industry is changing, and it's a, an industry for everybody. And I guess if it is, if you are old school and and stuck in that way, then I, I think those people get moved on. Yeah. All right, Geelong, a much happier uh, outcome from that uh, conversation. Um, when you're going in to meet Geelong, I, I mean. What are you, when you're sort of prepping yourself for this meeting, thinking this is maybe, you know, my, my, well, to that point, that was your big chance. You've got to try and dazzle them with something when you first meet them. I mean, when you, when you're prepping yourself from that, what were you going to go in and, 
and offer to them. What, you know, so I'm Michelle Cow and this is what I can do for you. Yeah, yeah. I think for me it was, uh, I'll do anything. I've, I've got so much to give this game. I've got so much love for the game. I'm so passionate. I'll do whatever it takes. If you need me to cut the grass to a certain length, if you need me to write reports, if you need me to go and watch football, I'll do whatever it takes just to get my foot in the door and I'll work really hard and then who knows what that becomes in a year or two years or three years' time. So I was really open to anything. I wasn't wanting any money. Uh, I wasn't wanting any payment or any fuel cards or anything like that. I just wanted to work and gain as much experience as I could. And Gary Davidson, he said there's no coaching opportunities available at Geelong Football Club, but in that moment he said there's no way I'm going to let you stand up and walk away from this coffee without me creating an opportunity for you. Wow. So, you know, I reflect on his incredibly brave leadership 22 years ago um, to create an opportunity for me because he saw something within me and um, that that's what started it all. And, you know, that's a challenge that I think anybody can create, I guess, make people feel the way that they feel or create an opportunity like that. And if he didn't do that, who knows what I'd be doing. So yeah. forever grateful. So what did you do for them? Yeah, I was based over here in WA. I'd go and watch Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs. I'd sit up at Subiaco Oval and I'd do a report on who matched up on who at the start of the quarter and any trends within the game, any injuries in the game because the following weekend Geelong would play the Western Bulldogs. And uh, I remember it's quite funny. I, I would finish that game at Subiaco Oval. I'd drive home. I'd have all my handwritten notes and I'd fax it through to Gary and there was no emails back then. I was mm. faxing it through to him. And just to reflect on on that is unbelievable. And I'd go out to Wickerpen or Wagen and I'd try and watch all this country football and just see if I could unearth this incredible AFL talent. Mm. And I'd just send him through, number 13 at Wickerpen, you've got to have a look at this guy. And this is what I saw him do and, and fax that all through to Gary and have some conversations with him and I did that for two years and, and didn't earn any money after mm. doing it. I was just doing it for the love of the game. But also for myself, I, I learned so much about the game, watching, um, just doing some oppo analysis, learned so much about the game. And um, But I think it was in that time I reflected that let's be unrealistic, Michelle, aiming for the <laughs> AFL <laughs> as a 17-year-old girl. And, and then I became aware of an opportunity at West Perth Football Club and yep. um, a coaching role, which is what I knew my passion was. It wasn't so much in, um, I guess, recruitment and scouting. And, um, yeah, that opportunity for coaching came yep. up. Uh, Darren Harris was a, a key figure uh, in your life at that point, uh, brought you into the coaching fold uh, at West Perth. You spent, what, eight or nine years there, uh, predominantly working with the midfield, if I'm not yeah, no, mistaken. Yeah, not that long at um, West Perth. I, la- I later went on to South Fremantle Football Club right. um, and I had a bit of a break in between um, okay. with having children and things like that as well. But yeah, Jeff Valentine and, and Darren Harris gave me my first opportunity yeah. there. And and I suppose kudos to them too for handing you what was at the time the first senior coaching role for a, for a woman uh, at, in elite level AFL. Yeah, again. It's, you know, it's a, it's a big call for them, isn't it, to, 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 to help you break that stereotype? Yeah. Uh, Darren's another one that I'll put on that um, mm. pedestal of forever grateful for, I guess, thinking outside the square and doing something different than what had been done for that 156 years that the game had been going for and whether that be a former player and – um, but for him to see something in me and, and give me that opportunity, forever grateful and 
the way that he empowered and encouraged me in that role was special as well. I felt right from the first ever training session that I belong there and um, he really empowered me in front of that entire playing group um, with some of his comments and, um, yeah. How intimidating was it turning up to that first training session? Yeah, pretty scary. I uh, I remember driving there after finishing work. I was working at the City of Joondalup at the time and I just thought to myself, Michelle, just give yourself six weeks to build relationships, connect with people, let them get to know you, you get to know them. Still do that to this day, you know. It's about connection and building relationships in anything that you do. And and I rocked up to my first ever training session and I, and I remember – um, Nathan Van Burlow and Mark LaCroix and Quinton Lynch and Wirraponda and these kind of guys in the room as well. And Harrow stood up and he said, boys, I want to introduce you to one of our new assistant coaches and this is Michelle. And if there's anybody right now that has a problem with my appointment and our appointment as a football club, then I want you to stand up and you'll never play for this football club ever again. And Which is a, a pretty big, bold statement to make, isn't it? Yeah, incredible. Well, my six weeks went out the door because he had so much belief in me, empowered me and, um, yeah, it it was such a great football club to start that journey on. Yeah. And and how did that go? I'm guessing no one walked out. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, very – Kim Rigol was the captain of the footy club at the time and he he stood up and he – he walked over to me and he punched me really hard in, in my shoulder and, <laughs> um, you know, I just felt like one of them and he just said, Michelle, welcome aboard. It's great to have you here. And um, 43 blokes stood up and punched that same shoulder and said, welcome aboard. And, um, yeah, it was a fantastic club to be part of. That must have been an, an incredible moment for you. Yeah. I, again, just it comes back to Darren Harris's leadership and if that doesn't happen in that moment, that mm. story doesn't happen and that feeling doesn't happen. So, um outstanding leadership, certainly back then as well. And for those blokes that you were coaching, it would have been probably a first time for them hearing uh, a female voice, you know, on the on the track with them, blowing a whistle, yelling at them, guiding them, telling them to do this and not do that. Um, how did they react to you, you know, when, you, when you're right in the middle of a training drill? Yeah, and somebody that, you know, on reflection, I was so raw in my coaching journey and and my coaching experience as well. So to have Jeff Valentine and, and Darren Harris really empower me <clears throat> to do that role was something incredible. So, yeah, if I reflect on it, I was, I was probably really raw to take on the job. Um, but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to grow and learn. And um, I'm lucky enough that West Perth provided that environment mm. for me, um, which really fast-tracked my coaching as well. Um, but, yeah, I learned so much. What sort of a coach were you? Were you a, a yeller? No. Were you, like a, you know, a quiet motivator? Were you, a, you know, sort of considered a, a tactician of sorts? Or what was your coaching style? I think what probably my strength would be the building of relationships and ability to communicate with the team. Um, probably my opportunity for growth was always my technical, tactical side, having not played the game um, at the highest level. But that was an area that... I surrounded myself with those people that had that skill set. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly a, a people person, build relationships, connect with people and try and get the mm. best out of them on and off the field. Yeah. And uh, you've certainly uh, taken that uh, to the next level and beyond. Uh, we'll take a break now, Michelle. After that, we'll get you to, uh, to explain how you ended up uh, at the Melbourne Football Club uh, and what was essentially the birth of the AFLW competition. This is Inspiring Stories. Michelle Cowan is our special guest. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
you're listening to inspiring stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Uh, in this episode, the inspiring story uh, of AFL coach Michelle Cowan. Uh, Michelle, you're going to take us to Melbourne in just a moment, but after cutting your teeth and earning your stripes at, uh, at West Perth, you move on to South Fremantle before you go to Melbourne. Uh, why the move? Yeah, it was. Um, I was living south of the river and thought something. I knew that they had finished their finals campaign for <clears throat> one of those seasons. So I land up calling that football club and lucky enough, Paul Hazelby had a coffee with myself after a number of calls. Good old and, Hayes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, somebody, he was incredible in, in my coaching career yeah. as well. So um, yeah, he appointed me as a midfield coach with the league team and, and the reserves team at, at South Fremantle there and was there for three years and I do remember us losing a number of games in a row and, and being challenged by the board as to why, you know, Paul Hazelby, one of the greatest midfielders to ever play this game um, and probably one of the greatest in, in his era as well, 204 games of AFL football and why is Michelle our midfield coach? Just because he's on this station, Michelle, <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean you have to give him that much of a pump up. <laughs> but no, um, he'll appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the questions that Hayes got asked. And, you know, his answer was because I've, in my 204-game career, I've never had a coach that can build relationships and communicate <clears throat> as much as Michelle can. Yep. And, and that's why she's our midfield coach. And does anyone else have any questions? Because we've got a game to prepare for and, and we can move on. Yeah. So he was so supportive um, and, yeah, I really loved coaching with him. He's an incredible coach as well, but um, he's probably better at radio. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's still staying in contact with Hayes. And, yeah. and through that opportunity, um, that's when Melbourne Football Club reached out and I was working with Paul Ruse and then also head coach of their women's team through the ex- exhibition games, which yeah. was um, an incredible opportunity. And, yeah. One, um, yeah, I, I really love reflecting on that one as well. Uh, fantastic to have the the support of, of people like Hayes and, and Darren Harris. But what about, you know, mutterings from the sidelines, you know, some of the older members who've, who've been sitting in the same spot in the same yeah. grandstand for years and years and years. How do they respond to you being suddenly a member of their of the coaching yeah, fraternity at their club? Certainly you, some. Any blowback from them? There were some people that didn't like it and, yeah. and that's fine. I think... Something How do you deal I, with that? How yeah, did you deal with that? I'm really time? comfortable with surrounding myself with people that want to champion you on or support you and help you achieve what your goals are and weeding your garden to make it grow. And um, I don't need to surround myself with, I, I guess, those other people that have those negative thoughts or conversations, but also I'm happy to try and educate or have conversations to help them understand or help me understand mm. why they don't like Do you give coaches. them the time of day or do you just block them out and ignore them or do you confront them? Do they you know, keep you awake at night? Do they make your blood boil? Uh, everyone but, reacts differently. How did you react yeah, to it? Yeah, I remember there was one, um, uh, a player whose dad didn't like the fact that I was coaching his son at, at quite a high level. And uh, I, I went over to shake his hand because his mum wanted to introduce me. And he said, oh, I'm not going to shake your hand. Um, women don't belong in, in football. Is that right? Yeah. And my husband was with me at the time and he didn't like what he heard, but I was quite okay with it. I, I just wanted to go over to the bar where everyone else was to speak to people that really cared about me and I cared about them and, and they were great people to be around. So I didn't want to, uh, yeah, I didn't ha- need to have any further conversations because no. I can have some great conversations with other people. Yeah, that are why there would you waste well. your time? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And that was the last conversation with that person? Yeah, Or did that you was. win them over or did you did you care, don't care? Oh, I cared about the player. Yeah. And I had a conversation and a coffee with him just to say, you know, I understand your dad's thoughts and, and I just hope that you're, you're not aligned. Mm. And, and that was it. Then we got on with footy and we got on with the drill and yep. um, he was incredible with yep. me um, moving forward. So yep. um, probably a bit of a life lesson there. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you know, even some people that say they're uncomfortable watching AFLW and, and women tackle hard and um, get and they're worried about them getting hurt. And my first question is how many games have you been to? How, how many games have you actually watched? And generally the answer is they've not been to any. Mm. And it may be that they're watching on, on TV, but I can guarantee that if you go and watch an AFLW game and you see the passion and the love of the game and the athleticism and the strength and the, these incredible women, um, you'll fall in love with the game and you'll love the fact that they get the opportunity to play at the highest level. Mm. Uh, tell me about the, the move over to, to Melbourne and, and those ex- exhibition games, which were really the precursor to what we have now, the modern you know, competition uh, the AFLW competition. Um, obviously, that was an, that was an easy question to answer. Getting invited over there to be a part of that, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was a challenging. I had two young children at the yeah. time, and an incredibly supporting husband that um, would look after the kids here, and I'd fly to Melbourne. Mm. And you were f- essentially a FIFO footy coach, weren't you? Yeah, and and once I got the opportunity to be development coach with Melbourne Football Club men's team, I'd I'd fly in on a Thursday or a Friday. I'd do training on the Friday, go to the game on the Sunday and do review on Monday and then fly back to Perth on the Monday night. And that that's what my week would actually look like. And I reflect back on it now thinking, how did I ever do it? Yeah. Um, but the the club was so incredibly supportive. Um, they certainly wanted the family to move over to Melbourne. And Was it tempting? Definitely, yeah. They, they found great schools for the kids. Um, tried to sort my husband out with, he works for BHP and, um, tried to find an opportunity at Melbourne for him, but um, the pull of family here and um, my love of Perth is mm. what kept me here. And um, yeah, even you know, it's a Melbourne absolute. It's a Melbourne state. Victoria is incredible. Um, well, it's a football state. I mean, it's mm. just um, mm. incredible with uh, and the amount of footy and entertainment there is. But it probably wasn't strong enough to get me to be over there. Yep. And I certainly deep down had a love of the West Coast Eagles as well. Can we talk about your family life? You just sort of led us there, um, perhaps inadvertently. But uh, I understand when you first met your, well, the man who would go on to become your husband, yeah. you were reluctant at first to tell him that you were a footy coach. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us that research. story? Yeah. I, um, I, I remember you know, going on dates with Chris and I really liked him. He was an incredible guy and I was scared at the time. I got called lots of names being a coach in football and why a female would want to be coaching and in the change rooms or whatever it is that I got called for being a, a football coach. So I didn't want to tell him that I was coaching football. I you thought it might scare him off. Yeah, I thought it'll either scare him off because you think this girl's crazy or maybe I know more about footy than he does, but he doesn't. <laughs> and <laughs> he's, he's obviously a footy nut himself. Not at all. Officers not at all. Attract. No, right. not at all. Yeah, never touched a footy is before right? I met him. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So, which is a great um, combination for us because I can, if there's a really important game I need to watch, he'll take the kids to the park and um, I could focus and watch and work essentially. Yeah. And and he can go and be dad. So he's still not really into it. You haven't. 
manage to lure him in. No, it's a real struggle to get him to the footy, but the kids love it. Um, they love coming to the footy with me, but um, yeah. yeah, if it's a corporate box, he, pro- he probably will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> that, that way you're not just there to watch the footy, you're there for uh, all the trivics as well. Um, how did you balance it all? I mean, you've got, you know, a, a young family, um, the fairly early years of your, of your marriage, you've got, you know, this footy thing going on on the other side of the country, uh, and you launched a national business as well um, in that phase of your life as well. That, that's a lot to juggle. Yeah, I think it comes down to communication and, and that with Chris, like um, we kind of both supported each other on our, our careers and our journeys there. Um, when one was go- doing really well, one might pull back a little bit on, on what they're doing. But um, I've also got a model to be the best. You've got to delegate the rest. So <clears throat> to, um, you know, to get help, um, it takes a village to raise. Uh, mm. So, you know, whether it be somebody to do the ironing, which is an extra four hours that I can spend playing with my kids. It's or a thankless task, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or whether it was somebody helping clean the house or something like that. It, it didn't bother me. It didn't, I didn't feel like I was, uh, I had mother's guilt around it or wife guilt or anything like that. I was yeah, just good. getting people in to help because I had my priorities were being the best wife I can be, being the best mum I can be and being one of the best footy coaches this country's ever seen. Mm. And if anything fell outside of that, um, I really didn't want a bar of it and generally cleaning is probably one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> if you can avoid it, yeah. <laughs> do it. That's always been my motto. It doesn't always go down that well in my household, but that's a whole other story. Um, this business that you launched, though, uh, tell me just quickly about about that because uh, I know you were associated with some pretty big names, not just in footy, but you know people like Dean Cox, but also Adam Voges. Um, what was this business idea of yours, and how did that evolve? Yeah, I think it was it was a great idea, and I, I had um, I had Bobby Despotoski soccer camp, yep. Dean Cox football camp, and. Um, they were really highly successful and I'll end up doing it for a number of years, but then probably that passion um, <clears throat> with running those camps really wore off and I wanted to continue to coach and, and aim for that. And And the other side of it was around leadership and um, corporate leadership and, and training. So, yeah, that was certainly something um, that I'm, I'm still really passionate about and love, but um, yeah, it was great to be involved. It was really, yeah, it was really successful and really enjoyed it. At one time, I had four hundred kids running around for a football camp. Um, yeah, yeah, and there's some fantastic organisations that are doing that at the moment. Yeah, excellent. And I suppose uh, priorities had to uh, take their place. Uh, and in 2017, uh, with the birth of the Fremantle Dockers AFLW side. Uh, you got the call up to be the uh, inaugural coach. Uh, we'll get you to uh, to tell us more about that right after we take another break. This is Inspiring Stories. Michelle Cowan is our guest. Back with more just after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. So firstly, Michelle, could you tell us the good news? Yeah, really excited to be appointed the senior coach of the Fremantle Dockers women's team for 2017. And you've had great experience coaching here in WA as well as coaching over in Melbourne. How does it feel to return to your home state? 
Yeah, really happy to be um, in Western Australia and, you know, I've just lived down the road as well. So, um, but I'm excited to be part of this football club and, and moving forward with the National Women's League. Is, it's a really exciting time for AFL. And being part. There you go. That was the moment uh, you were unveiled as the inaugural uh, Fremantle Dockers coach uh, in the uh, newly launched AFLW competition as it was in, uh, in 2017. What a moment. I know you had to turn your back on a great opportunity at Melbourne. Um, but it seemed like a natural fit, I'm sure, at the time. Yeah, Given your natural. roots here, your family here, everything here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, family here was the biggest pull and <clears throat> Melbourne was incredible, uh, a football club to be part of. And um, again, lucky to be there working with Paul Ruse and, and Simon Goodwin as well. And and the playing group as a development coach with the men's AFL side was uh, a great experience for me. And I still stay in contact with Peter Jackson, who was the CEO at the football club at the time, and, yep. and Josh Marnie as well, who plays a significant part in my yep. career still to this day. It was great. Yeah. Uh, can I ask, as you reflect, uh, you know, on the the journey that you've been on and, and getting into coaching at a fairly young age, uh, seeing AFLW launch and then become what it is today, if you could go back to Michelle Cowan at 17 when you're writing those letters to the, the AFL clubs, if if I'd said to you at that point in your life, this is what will be happening in 2022, would you have believed it? And would you have been happy with what has been achieved by this time? Yeah, I think it always had to happen. Like I was always really confused as to why women weren't playing at the highest level. So, um, but my focus at that stage was AFL men's. And and at that stage, I think I thought I was going to be the senior coach of West Coast Eagles um, (laughs) down the track kind of thing. So that's that. That was my vision. Um, but, yeah, it's fantastic to see how much this game has grown. It's one of – it's the fastest-growing game in the country at the moment with the amount of young girls and women that are playing the game. And, um, yeah, it's just great to see that they can pull on a jumper and play on the MCG yep. um, now, which is great, men and women. What about that very, you know, blokey locker room mentality and, and, and atmosphere that's been a, a part of footy for, well, since it began really – um, has that changed as much as you had hoped and is it still got a long way to go? Um, we, we've certainly come a long way, but we've got a long way to go um, within all industries, I think, um, mm. when it comes to uh, equality and, and um, diversity as well and, and a whole range of things. So we're certainly on the right path. And I reflect on Gillan McLaughlin's leadership that day when he said, we're going to have an AFL women's competition and we're going to have it in 2017. And the way he fast-tracked it, I think he can, that's his legacy. And that's an incredible legacy that he leaves for this competition. And um, yeah, I, yeah, just amazing, brave, courageous leadership. Yeah. And what does the future hold for you? What's are there still, you know, roles that you want to, uh, to play at some point, um, other achievements. You seem like you're a very achievement-oriented person. Um, what's what's left for you? Oh, I'm loving my role at West Coast Eagles. I'm I'm head of women's football there, and it's a bit of an off-field <coughs> leadership role within the football club. And but I also get my on-field take on on the game, which I absolutely love. And and game day, I'm on the bench, on the headsets to the coach and. Um, so it's an incredible role that gives me great diversity. I think I've got a lot to contribute in it. Um, it's ignited another piece, another passion for me, mm. um, more holistically about the game. And um, yeah, I think I can. I've got a lot to contribute in this role, and it's a role that really excites me. Just uh, off field, I, I did sort of flag this earlier that we we're going to um, uh, play a little clip 
that showed some of your other uh, sporting prowess, not in the game of football, but in fact in the game of golf. And I know as a, as a youngster, you were a state-level uh, cricketer and golfer as well before footy kind of won that, that private battle for you. Um, you were an exceptional golfer as well. Um, and you got a call up to be on a <laughs> pretty unusual, I don't know what you call it, it's a reality, sporting, variety uh, TV show uh, that was on, uh, I think, last year. Uh, Holy Molly was the name of the show. Let's have a little uh, listen to some of your exploits on that show. Oh, here we go. Got speed. Michelle loving this. She is barbecuing, hot to trot. Look, she's skipping. That's how you do it, coach. It's the type of motivation she needs to show her football players what to do. There are a team of AFL players cheering on from Western Australia. Oh, you're ready. You were born ready, Cowan. Here she goes, Michelle Cowan. Can she get it? She got it. She's got it! It's all over! Oh, she fist pump! The She's fist got pump! It. Coach Coward nails it! Absolutely blows away the competition under enormous pressure. Power. Yes. That was exactly what she wanted. The Eagle flies tonight! Well, here comes her Goth and Lady Gofina with the Holy Moly plaid jacket and golden putter. There you go, the plaid jacket. You got to wear yeah, the plaid jacket, wow. Michelle. I don't want to ask where that ranks in your... <laughs> life moments, list of achievements, but um, congratulations on yeah, the getting plaid, the plaid jacket anyway. Gold cutter. Yes, my daughter <laughs> yeah. nominated me for Is the show. Right? And um, she doesn't like me going away for one night if I have to go away for work or a fixture or let alone being away for 11 nights. So <clears throat> I had to speak to her about the fact if you're nominating me, I'm, I potentially am going to be away for a long time. And she's like, no, mum, you've got to go, you've got to go, you're going to win this. And um, yeah, she was really excited. So, uh, yeah, plaid jacket, gold putter, um, very yeah. exciting. What a moment <laughs> and a chance to show off your golfing skills after all this time. Uh, oh, it's, it's a tough game, that one. Um, tell me about, uh, you know, your your future then. I know you're sort of deeply entrenched uh, in the in the women's game now and, you, and you're happy to be at the club that you loved um, from the moment really you came to Australia and, and, and developed your affection for, uh, for football. Um, you know... Do you see yourself now as as being just part of the the ongoing development of the women's game? Would you like to get back into uh, coaching in a in a men's environment? Uh, where do you see yourself going? I think really committed to this role and um, for the long term. Like uh, yeah, I don't see myself coaching in the in the men's space at all. This uh, the AFLW is really exciting um, yep. <clears throat> to see how fast it's grown in the last three years and and seven years. Um, thinking and imagining what it can be in another five years' time is incredible. Um, you know, they'll be full-time athletes when, whenever that is. Um, that'll be exciting to when see. When do you reckon that will be? Uh, I think in the next probably three to five years, potentially some, there's going to be some change there. And, and what we'll get to see is these women train more hours, not just 10 hours a week, um, 
And if they are training more, we're going to see increased skill level, we're going to in- increase strength, increase physicality um, and increase the spectacle. So to make the measure of um, scoring uh, against the AFL versus AFLW, well, they, they do train 10 hours a week. That's that's what they do in their in-season for mm. AFLW. And, and then they play on the weekend and then they work nine to five as a fiery or a teacher or whatever career choice that they have. So there's an incredible balance. I take my hat off to every AFLW player um, that balances a family, a career, and then a football career as well in in wanting to be a professional athlete when they get, I guess, scrutinised as being professional um, yet not getting paid professional yet. Yeah. And I know next Sunday you've got uh, a talent search uh, for West Coast uh, looking for the next crop of uh, outstanding uh, AFLW players. Um, who are you looking for? Are you looking to pinch people from other codes still or are you looking to find those young, raw, natural talents? Yeah, I feel like we're really comfortable and confident of the Waffle W system and, and uh, across every pretty much every player that's playing in football in in Western Australia. But we want to cast that net further and wider and, and see if there's anybody that might be in the Pilbara maybe that's playing soccer or uh, they may be in another code or, or maybe they haven't even... Um, you know, picked up a football yet and that's something that we can help coach and, um, yeah, p- provide an opportunity. So, yeah, our recruiters and our list manager will be at that session and trying to find that next talent and, you know, maybe somebody um, like Sophie McDonald who we found from hockey over in, in, in Albany, um, there may be an opportunity. I would have loved something like this to come mm. up when I was 25 years ago I when bet. I was here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the other coaches or people involved in other sporting codes must hate it when you turn up courtside because yeah. <laughs> they know why you're there. Yeah, I think it's important that we support each other when uh, some players can play two codes currently, which they, they probably can. But as the competition yeah. goes more professional and they potentially become full-time, then certainly they'll have to make a choice as to what they're doing. Yeah, and who better to drag them over <laughs> to, to your chosen sport uh, and to take uh, to take them under uh, a wing than uh, than yours, Michelle. So I'm sure. Uh, well, hopefully next uh, Sunday you'll find some uh, some up and coming talents and you'll nurture them uh, onto great things. Yeah, no. Even if you find one, it'll be pretty exciting. Who are you looking for? What's what sort of player are you looking for? Oh, I think we've we've got a few holes to fill with a few retirements um, in our program. So yeah, we'll um, we'll see what shows <laughs> what happens. <laughs> no one in particular. No no particular no. positions on the field or. Nothing at this stage. Yeah, we've no. got a number of roles to fill. If they can run fast, kick both feet, handball both sides, you know, <laughs> some kick key, straight. Some key position players, some tall. Big engine, and, all of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very good. Michelle, thank you so much for coming in and sharing uh, some of your story. Uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved uh, and all the best uh, with uh, West Coast uh, and the ongoing uh, development of the AFLW game. Yeah, wonderful, Tim. Thanks Thanks so much much for your time. Thanks for letting me share my story. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.